Many of us spend eight hours a day, sometimes more, on the job. We come home and talk about our day during dinner or with our friends. Yet this does not really solve the critical issues facing African-American employees in the workplace. In today's episode, documentary filmmakers Tosca Davis and Cedric Smith join me to talk about the validity of the Black experience at work and their film, To Be Us, To Work. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on Black and Brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. Directors at 2BS Productions, Tosca Davis, is responsible for product strategy, marketing optimization, and revenue growth, while Cedric Smith oversees the company's portfolio and production operations. Enjoy our conversation and make sure you check out their documentary, To Be Us, To Work. Good afternoon. Today we are talking to Tosca Davis and Cedric Smith, who are uh, documentary filmmakers. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone, Tosca and Cedric. Good morning. So today uh, I'm excited about talking about your film, To Be Us, to work, um, which is really about talking about the experiences uh, of working while Black. And so um, before we begin talking about the film, can you tell me a little bit about yourselves, Tosca? Can you begin? Sure. Um, again, I'm Tosca Davis, and um, I think, you know, most people want to know the, the basics, you know, what do you do for a living, where you're from? So um I am from Mobile, Alabama. Um, it's uh, in South Alabama, and I my previous work or my previous skill set was a social work. I guess I still have that skill set, but um, that's what I did for a living. Um, and it kind of morphed into something else. Um, and I, you know, mostly worked in community relations or nonprofit work. Uh, that's been the bulk of my um, my work. And now. Uh, and most recently, I worked in research uh, where I collect data uh, and collect information from people, basically telling their stories about their experiences while living in the U.S. Um, so that's what I do, uh, you know, for work or, or did in the past for work. Um, and now I'm a filmmaker um, and I enjoy storytelling. I enjoy listening to other people's stories. Um, I enjoy watching film and looking at TV um, and learning more about the uh, process of filmmaking. Um, and now I'm currently in Houston, Texas, and um, that's pretty much who I am right now. Wow, from Mobile, Alabama to Houston. How did you arrive in Houston? Uh, well, I had a, a friend here um, and I would visit and I enjoyed it. I, I think I was looking for a bigger city and I was looking for a, a city that had more options as far as um, uh, jobs, um, more um options for events and experiences. And so I enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed Houston a lot uh, when I first moved here. Um, it was a culture shock the size, but I think I kind of, I think I settled in pretty well because I'm an explorer. So I'm, when I move somewhere, when I do anything, when I'm researching, I'm really just exploring. That's, that's pretty much who I am. And so I've, I've enjoyed living in Houston. 
Well, you know, Tosca, I don't know if you know, I'm a native Texan. I'm from a small town called Brownwood, Texas, which is much smaller than uh, Mobile. <laughs> and uh, Houston, I went to school one year in Houston, graduate school one year in Houston. And yes, a Houston is enormous, right? And quite a bit to get used to as a small town person. But mm -hmm. welcome to the Empowerment Zone. And I'm happy to hear that you're also a social worker. Uh, my parents are social workers or, or came up in social work. And uh, I know it's all about service and helping others. Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, Cedric, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, good morning. Uh, my name is Cedric Smith. Uh, I was born in Houston, uh, raised in Dallas. Uh, I'm the youngest of four kids. We grew up in an uh, area called Oak Cliff in Dallas, Texas. Um, did all my schooling there in regard to, went to uh, Dale Turner Elementary School, Atwell Junior High, and I went to Carter High School. Um, and then from there, um, I always had, was kind of like right-brained and left-brained, kind of had the scientific side and also had the kind of artistic side. I went to Hampton University. Uh, I gave up football. I was a quarterback in high school uh, and I had an older brother that played at the University of Michigan who said, look, man, you know, you got to eat, drink and sleep football. And I think that this is not really what you want to do. So I, I played on a golf scholarship uh, at Hampton. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, be a recruit there when they were starting up a team. And I, I have to tell you, it was one of the best decisions I made in my life. I was uh the only family member of the four kids that went to a HBCU, uh, as opposed to, uh, I should say, of the children. My parents went to Prairie View A&M University. And uh, so I, I couldn't have been more happy about my experience there. Uh, from there, uh, I had a decision to make. I, I wanted to be a professional golfer. That was my dream. Uh, I'd played ever since I was about seven years old, played in junior tournaments, had a very good uh, high school career, a good college career, was All-American. And, uh, you know, you have parents that are kind of like, look, you know, medical school is the better option. You, you are a biology major. And I ended up going to, to medical school. Uh, from there, I am a practicing physician here in Houston. That's how Tosca and I know each other. We're both here in Houston. Uh, but again, we have a, a shared likeness of wanting to tell stories and decided to uh, get into the filmmaking business and uh, make our, firm, our first film, uh, To Be Us To Work. And, and I couldn't be more happy about uh, the opportunity with working with her and and, and creating this uh, new venture. Wow, Cedric, uh, Dallas Carter High School. I, that was my first experience uh, actually watching in all all black high schools My um, in football. We used to go to the football games because I had a cousin who was uh, a cheerleader at Carter High. And I always loved that. Uh, I think he was a cowboy mascot or something. Mm -hmm. And he was yeah, dancing yeah. and stuff. Carter Cowboy, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, love watching right. that. Yeah, and so it's great to hear also that you were um, quarterback. Man, it's, it's uh, you know, Texas is a football state, right? So I'm exactly. sure you, you uh, it took a lot for your brother to convince you to leave football and go into golf. And that HBCU love is something else. Um, having attended Hampton, I also attended a historically black college and university, Clark Atlanta University. Oh, nice. But, yeah, and to hear uh, also that you are a physician, uh, it's in in serving the people of Houston. Uh, you and Tosca 
are really about service. And, and that is good to hear because that's one of the things we promote here on the Empowerment Zone. So both of you and Tosca mentioned that you're wanting to tell stories and that's how you uh, both got into um, making uh, documentary films. So I would like you to tell us, you know, about the documentary To Be Us To Work. What is the documentary about and um, what are you trying to convey? Can you, can we begin with Cedric, please? Uh, yeah, um, uh, Tosca and I uh, were doing a lot of kind of activist work about, I don't know, 10 years ago. And we would frequent spaces that centered black issues, okay? And when we frequented those spaces that were talking about black issues, whether it was police brutality or body cameras or uh, economic injustice, uh, uh, redlining, you know, you name it, uh, we kind of would come away from some of the meetings where the culprit wasn't called out, where the meeting was palatable, the meeting was comfortable, but not really dealing with the underlying issues that we felt needed to be called out. Um, and so as this pattern kind of persisted, I ended up going to see a particular film and that film was talking about a particular subject that I felt didn't go all the way in on that particular subject. For instance, if you're going to talk about, uh, patriarchy or the system of patriarchy, then I feel like you're going to have to talk about all the nuances that go along with male privilege, uh, uh, toxic masculinity, rape culture, and the like, not just, uh, if you cry, you get it, right? You know, because that's kind of superficial if, you, if if I can put in those terms. So one day we got into uh, the car, we were discussing this, kind of our frustration. And we said, you know what? Why don't we tell our own story, Cedric? Tasha was like, why don't we start our own production company? And once we kind of got our teeth into it and having never done it before, we said, okay, let's do that. Let's tell stories. And specifically, we wanted to tell stories that centered Black people, centered Black stories, centered the crevices of what we don't typically talk about around the dinner table. We may, we may talk about it around the dinner table, but it hasn't been exposed. Everybody pretty much has a working while Black experience, per se. But it's something that we kind of leave at the dinner table and don't talk about, you know, out in public. We don't we don't really address it. And we wanted to bring that to light to validate black folks experiences, to highlight what is happening out here in the workplace, uh, highlight how racism impacts us and terrorizes us in the workplace and the effects it has on us. And so that's why we came up with the first film. Uh, the documentary To Be Us To Work, because we knew there was a, a, a universality to it. We knew we wouldn't have a, 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 a you know, we wouldn't have enough uh, stories. We knew pretty much anybody who worked and was Black <laughs> was going to have some kind of story. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a matter of trying to get those people to tell it, tell it on film. And uh, we're happy about the outcome that we had. Yeah, uh, you have a... a a great point about when you educate people and you want to make change, not just educate, but making the change that you have to have uncomfortable conversations. And most people want to keep, when we're dealing with challenging issues, we want to keep, make everybody feel comfortable and safe in the conversation. But if we really want to truly make change, 
that cannot happen. And um, I love your idea about the importance of centering and elevating Black voices. Uh, that's what we do here on the Empowerment Zone. And it's important to talk about issues from our perspectives instead of having other people to in, uh, determine what we should think and how we should operate and how we should act. Um, Tosca, you know, um, Cedric talked about the fact that you two arrived and worked together uh, and you have different professional backgrounds, but you came together to make this documentary. What do you think it is that made you two click as uh, filmmakers? Well, um, Cedric and I actually met, uh, you know, at a nonprofit organization. <laughs> um, I was working for uh, the Sickle Cell Association in Houston, and Cedric was a board member. So uh, right off the bat, you are speaking to two people who are interested in helping people. Um, the other thing is that I feel like we're both imaginative and very creative. Um, and it is the, my opinion, and, uh, and definitely Cedric's, I think, is that um, in order for us to thrive in this world, in order for us to break down, you know, uh, um, harmful uh, systems and structures and institutions, you have to have an imagination. Um, if you can't imagine a better world, if you can't imagine um, your best self um, or your best community, um, it's gonna be very difficult for you to make changes. And I think that's what Cedric and I have in common. We we, we're both explorers and um, we both want to know, you know, we're both curious about things. And um, I think that's what helps us um, get along, um, especially when it comes to creating a project like this. I'm like, we didn't always get along, you know, when you're on a big project, you know, sometimes, you know, you fight and that's fine, you know, um, and it, it's just, it was just a very stressful project. Not that we didn't agree with things. We mostly agreed with every, you know, aspect of making this film, but it was just a very stressful film to make um, and um, very traumatizing. Um, but, you know, back to your question, I just think Cedric and I are very in tune and, in, and aligned with how we view the world. Uh, we're optimistic about um, how things can change if people imagine a better world. Um, and one of the things uh, that comes out of imagination is typically something very creative like music or poetry or dance or, or television. Um, and we all know, you know how art, how influential art is to making uh, systemic changes. So I think that's what we have in common, our alignment in that way. Yeah, it's great to have a partner that's aligned with your vision. You don't always have to agree, right? And I appreciate you bringing that out because a lot of people think when you have partners, you have to agree on everything, but that doesn't create a great project, right? Uh, when you have differences of ideas and opinions, but have the same vision, it can it can definitely make uh, magic. So uh, Cedric, you know, you talked about um, the different, challenges that African-Americans face uh, in our lifetime. Uh, and I'm curious to know, why did you choose this particular topic of all the topics you could have explored in terms of the Black experience? 
Um, very good question. It it really was around kind of, as I said before, the kind of the universality of this topic. But it also is a topic that to Black people, we sort of hide. And what I mean by that is we talk about it around the dinner table. We come home from work, which we've done eight hours out of the day, nine hours a day, 15 hours out of the day for some people, right? And we'll sit around the dinner table and relay this inept manager that we had to deal with or this microaggression that happened to you where somebody touched your hair out of the blue that, you know, you're like, what the hell are you doing? You know, uh, or says something like, you know, are you really a doctor? Are you a real doctor? Uh, or has some sort of uh, impact on your progression in your upper mobility in the company where you're muled per se, where you've trained the last six managers that are over you and you've been there 10 years, they've been there two years and now they're above you. But what we do is we kind of put it in the, uh, and Tosca and I talk about this, we sort of put it in the, it is what it is bag. Our parents said, it is what it is. You got to work twice as hard. You got to do blah, 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 blah. But we never have it addressed. We're still collectively dealing with it uh, in these silos per se. And we wanted to give black folks an opportunity to have something on film where they can say, go look at this, go look at to be us to work that's streaming on Amazon prime. And you can see what I'm dealing with in the workplace or a mother and a son, a father and a daughter can look at this film and see, Hey, look, we, we typically tell professional uh, kids that want to go into professional basketball or football, all the ails of trying to achieve that. Right. You, you know, there's only 5,000 basketball players in the world. There's only this, only that. But when it comes to just regular jobs, that most of us under the bell curve are doing. There's also this sort of naivete that we don't tell our kids what they may be facing coming forward. We say you do all the degrees, you got all the things, you did all the things that America tells you to do. And then you get into this workplace only to be traumatized by racism that you thought was outside of there, but it's actually inside the workplace as well, where most of us spend most of our time where we're traumatized. And that, that's why we wanted to bring this particular story uh, to surface. And Ramona, can I add to that? Yes, please. Okay, I wanna add to that because, um, you know, I have a working wild black story, uh, which is one of the motivations for making the film. And, you know, I typically do something that most people don't do, um, which again is evident in the film, is, you know, I name my oppressor. I name the person who terrorized me. Um, and that person is Larissa Lindsay at Planned Parenthood Gulf Coast, um, which is a organization that I used to work for. And what Larissa did is uh, she was a, a, a Facebook friend and she felt, you know, uh, some kind of way about me posting about white supremacy and racism and naming my oppressor again, uh, which are white people, um, white women, white women tears. Um, and she, uh, she printed my Facebook pages and she took it to my uh, manager who was the vice president of HR, okay? <laughs> and so uh, when you do things like that, that means that you are um, terrorizing me and you don't want me to have a job and you don't want me to eat and you don't want me to um, pay my rent. Her intention was to get me fired. Um, not only was it 
uh, egregious. I had literally had gone to a Planned Parenthood um, uh, type of conference um, in D.C. Uh, um, maybe a few months beforehand. And in that conference, we heavily talked about racism and intersectionality and white supremacy. And, you know, this was the headquarters. Then I come back to a Planned Parenthood, you know, office in Houston, and this white woman is terrorizing me um, by trying to get me fired. And so uh, that absolutely was one of the motivations for making this film because of how blatant this woman was. Like she, she had no fears and she had the audacity to say, hey, look at this, look at what your employee is posting on Facebook. Um, so, I, you know, I just had to add that, that I have my own story and that it absolutely was a motivation for making this film. Thank you for sharing your story. Uh, Cedric uh, had a great point earlier that all of us have our experiences of, of working while Black and uh, we can call it out generally, but when we uh, tell our stories as you all are doing in the in this documentary and even more so calling out the oppressors, uh, our individual or collective oppressors, it really adds more power to the story because it's not anonymous and it's not uh, some theory. It's actually something that actually has happened to an individual. And I uh, also appreciate Cedric talking about that we need to take these conversations outside of the home and making them more public so that we can not only teach, but empower others to make their own individual changes. Because as both of you have stated, racism is systemic and people create systems. So therefore people have the power to change systems. And the only way we change those systems is through our individual and collective work. So Tosca, can you tell us a little bit more about the documentary and um, why you think people should watch it? Okay. Um, the documentary, and again, we're, I'm going to repeat myself, um, is a, and for what, what we've heard, is very validating, um, very comforting, very affirming. Uh, people have had really strong reactions to this film. Um, and that is something that we're very proud of because this is the first time that we know of. There, there is another film out now or similar now. Um, that I don't think it's, it's uh, here in the U.S. But this is the first time we know of that uh, Black people's stories were uh, uh, put on film. And um, I wanted Cedric, you come in and let me know if I'm um, telling the truth here. I think Cedric spoke to someone uh, within the last two weeks who said this film, you know, actually gives us, uh, it gives us meat. So when we're in DEI spaces, when we're in spaces where we have to like come up with examples of racism, here you are. Here We have stories here. We don't have to come up with examples. These people are actually telling their story. So you don't have to say, well, what if this happened? No, this actually happened. Uh, we want you to watch the film because I feel like, or we feel like, 
you are going to see yourself or your family member or friend in these films. You're going to say, oh, my God, that happened to me. Or, oh, my God, I did not know there was a word for this, uh, what I experienced. Um, I also want people to watch it because I want people to understand that when we internalize these issues, they can create, you know, um, health situation. They can create unwellness um, in your body. And I want people to watch the film because these storytellers were brave. Again, some of them named their oppressor. Um, some, uh, some of them told this story for the first time ever on film, meaning that their uh, families had never heard this story before. Uh, we did not uh, screen these stories. We had no idea what they were going to say. If someone was interested in watching the film and they sent me a synopsis of what they were going to talk about, talk about, I didn't read it. I have no idea what they were going to say. I wanted to have the experience of hearing it for the first time, just like the film, uh, the film, uh, the people who watched the film. So I want people to watch it because I just want them to feel valid. That was really one of our main motivators. We wanted Black people to feel validated, like because white people will gaslight you. Okay, white supremacy will gaslight you and make you feel like you are creating things in your mind that did not happen. And once you understand that you're being gaslighted and they're going to move the goalposts as often as, you know, they can and will, I feel like you will just feel better about that. You're like, okay, I get it. This is the game. They're going to move the goalposts. They're going to gaslight me. At least I know, you know, this information now that other people are experiencing it. So I really, yes, I, I think that's it. I just want people to feel validated. I want Black people to um, be in charge of their own stories. Uh, we definitely did not want to make this palatable to anybody, you know, any white people. It was made for Black people. If people outside of our community watch it, that is absolutely fine. But we were very, very... Um, uh, uh, focus on not making this palatable and um, and and we felt like this came through. It, it was a, a very sharp film. It was a very truthful film, uh, a very honest film. And again, that's why we want you to watch it. Thank you, uh, Tasca. So Cedric, you know, when you look at filmmaking, there are various audiences that can watch a film. And as Tosca has stated, you all specifically focused on making this film for African-Americans. Uh, I'm curious to know why that is the main audience and not people outside of the Black community so that they can learn from those experiences and make the, make the appropriate changes. Why did you choose this audience uh, in, in in solely focusing on African-Americans? Well, we look at it from an intentionality, and that's what Tosca speaks to. The intention of the film was to center Black stories and Black voices, right? Now, we know that when we put the artwork out there, anybody's going to see it. And and white folks are going to look at it. We've had white people look at it. We know other races are going to look at it. That that's That's why it's out in the marketplace, if you will, on Amazon Prime. But the intentionality of the purpose of why we did the film, again, to Tosca's point, we centered Black voices and we know that when Black people see it, they're going to be affirmed and validated and see themselves in the film. And, and a lot of times, <clears throat> Ramona, we often have a lot of POC talk, 
right? BIPOC talk, where we get somewhat diluted in the conversation when there is a literal history of Black folks in this United States of America that is very different, right? And so when we had policies and laws that specifically targeted us, we felt like we, would, we didn't want to make a working while people of color film. No, we wanted to specifically make a working while black film, which is to be us to work, that validates the stories that we have. Now, oftentimes when the story is told in other spaces, we often see C-suiters, right? Top executives or celebrities who get to tell their stories. This film goes at the intersections of class. It goes with the, the blue collar worker all the way up to somebody who, quote, has a medical degree who is seen as, you know, scholarly and, and pedestaled, if you will. So this even validates those persons who we often forget that that typically don't have a voice. Right. If I want to leave my job as a physician and go, I can leave and go anywhere and work anywhere in the world. Right. There's a privilege that I have. There's a voice that I have that is different from somebody that may be making fifteen dollars an hour. It's like I have to stay in this job and deal with this in some way, shape or form. And that's who we wanted to validate the most marginalized of us all the way up to the C-suite. And that is why. Thank you, uh, Cedric, because, you know, one of the things uh, that you both emphasize is the importance of validating ourselves and our stories, right? Is not just, and that's why <clears throat> I asked you that question so that people would understand that you don't always have to be trying to touch people outside of the community. You can validate, empower people inside of your community when you open the conversations up and show examples of people who have experienced the same things you have experienced. So you can think that it's not just me who's experiencing this, but it's a systemic and structural issue. And therefore, I can take this information and empower myself and learn how to uh, react or operate in our in my particular environment. So Cedric, what do you hope that your audiences will learn from watching this film? Well, they'll, they'll learn by seeing themselves. They, they will learn that there is a structural and systemic problem, even in the workplace. A lot of times we see racism as outside and external in other areas, but specifically in the workplace, we feel as though sometimes that's a safe space. Everybody's equal. When we go to these DE&I uh, uh, sessions, you know, everybody's sitting in the room as if there's there's equity in the room. And you know, Ramona and I know and Tosca know that is not the case. You know, so those same issues that are outside of the workplace are the same issues that are occurring inside of the workplace. And if a company wants to look at the film executives and see exactly what is going on, they get firsthand view of what is happening to their black workers that they that they you know bleed that they're ignorant about right but here it is in your face and so that is why we made the film and 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 that's what we want people to get out of it that there is a problem there is a culprit and we actually can change it but first we have to show you the real unvarnished truth of the problem 
So uh, to both of you, what do you hope to accomplish through this documentary? What are your, when you look at your vision, you came together, you both had a clear vision of what you wanted to do. What is your ultimate dream in terms of what you want to accomplish by having this film uh, and, and by making this film? Um, I think I, I I would like, I would love for our film to be viewed by everybody in the world. If we're talking about big dreams and imaginations, I want, I want it to be, I want it to be viewed. Um, I want it to uh, direct other filmmakers, especially, especially uh, documentarians to make films that are raw, um, films that uh, don't really worry themselves with the dominant culture's gaze. If you're always working, no, let me let me be clear. We would love to make tons of money. Like we're, I'm not trying to tell you that we don't want to make money. We want to make money. Um, but what can happen when you're always worried about the dominant culture's gaze, which could be white people, men, you know, Christians, able-bodied people. I just want to be clear. There are a lot of dominant cultures you may not get this rawness. You may not get um, what uh, your focus, what your what uh, the people you're trying to help, they may not be able to um, express themselves in a way that may, may be helpful to other marginalized communities. And so I, I really want filmmakers to look at this and say, hey, especially again, documentarians who typically aren't in it for the money, you know, they do want to help people. It's like, Let's not make this palatable to the masses. I understand that, you know, we want to make money off this and but and, and we may piss off people who might write us write us checks. But for once, let's make this a film that is really about the people that we are studying and not about the feelings of the oppressor group. So I think that's something that I, I want to see. Thank you, Tosca. Cedric, what do you hope to accomplish through this documentary? Yeah, just like anything, it's, uh, you know, as long as our intentionality of the film matches up with my, our internal goals, that's one thing I can sleep well at night, knowing that we created something that for the most part, look, we've had a million dollar budget, it would have been great, right? You could do other bells and whistles to it. But to know that we created something, I created something with uh, a, a very great friend of mine, pretty much a best friend of mine, that has the same visions, goals, and dreams that I have. And to see the final product come out that has, you know, in in the uh, critiques that have come out where people have uh, uh, put down what the film did for them, uh, in the reviews, you cannot put that in a bottle of how that makes you feel, that it hit the marks, it, it validates and affirms people. And sure, like Tosca said, look, we want to make other films and other films require money. <laughs> we would like to have as many views as possible uh, so we can make other films that are going to be uh, equally equally as uh, affirming or a good love story or great comedy, whatever the case may be. But it is going to be centering Black people. That is what we're going to be doing. And that's what we ultimately want to do. We have other visions and dreams and other to be uses, if you will, that we'd like to make. So the documentary film is called To Be Us to Work. Thank you, uh, Dr. Tosca Davis and, excuse me, Tosca Davis and Dr. Cedric Smith for joining us today on The Empowerment Zone.
So I am a big advocate here on the Empowerment Zone for uh, college and higher education. And I want to ask both of you, uh, Tosca and uh, Dr. Smith, what would the strategies be for you if you were advising students on how to be successful in college? And please begin by telling us what school or schools you attended, um, your major or majors, and then what strategy would you give students? Uh, um, Tosca, can we start with you? Yes. Um, so I went to the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Um, I have uh, a bachelor's in social work and a bachelor's in psychology. It's a long story, don't ask. Um, um, and yeah, it wasn't a dual major. They're literally two different um, degrees. And um, I don't, to be honest with you, as a 48-year-old woman, I don't know what strategies uh, to tell students, but I can tell you in my experience, I try to do what I thought I needed to do as a student, you know, based on movies and based on film, you know, films and TV and based on what I read and based on my uh, fellow classmates. And I can tell you that it did not work for me, um, meaning, um, for instance, what I learned is that you study all night, right? You go to class and you study all night. You study from 8 p.m., 8 a.m. That's what everybody did in college. And that didn't work for me. I learned, you know, uh, pretty uh, early on when my grades were terrible, because I like to be, you know, um, um, transparent about that, is that I needed to uh, study in increments. I need to study in 15-minute and 30-minute increments. Um, you know, once I got the syllabus, I literally started the reading and the studying then. I was, I could not wait to the last minute because my attention would not allow me to do that. So I can tell you that specific story, but I want you to know that you don't have to model anything that is not successful for you. Um, and so once I learned that, I started creating my own way of learning and my grades increased significantly. Thank you so much, Tosca. That is great advice. Actually, you said you didn't have any advice, but you do have some <laughs> that uh, you prepare for college, but you take those strategies that work for you and leave the others alone, right? Everybody's an individual and some strategies work for some and some do not. So, and the other is uh, studying increments. You don't have to study all day, you know, choose some segments of time during the day to do your study. Um, because when you, when you confine it in certain amounts of time, you can be more successful in your learning process uh, of your uh, particular coursework. Thank you so much, Do uh, Tosca. Uh, Dr. Cedric Smith, um, could you please answer the questions as well? Yeah, uh, um, I went to uh, Carter High School in Dallas. <clears throat> Pretty much, I was the youngest child. All my brothers and sisters were uh, high achieving. So I kind of had this kind of fall in place like a duck type of uh, way of doing things. Um, I was very, I guess, fortunate and privileged in that way. Uh, college was something that was not considered to not be an option. I was going to be going to college. It was kind of a foregone conclusion. I know everyone doesn't have that particular uh, ability. Um, and so uh, my learning style is a lot more things that I learned um, in regard to, you know, making sure that I was curious, you know, just about anything. If I heard somebody talking about something that I didn't know, 
I didn't I didn't want to be in a position where I was speaking on anything that I didn't know anything about. I would go and literally try to make um you know, look it up if I can. Nowadays, kids have so much information at their fingertips. I mean, you've got you can Google stuff. Back when we were going to school, you had to literally go to the library and, you know, try to find things. So, even as your curiosity follows you, make sure uh you never lose that. Make sure that you know you try to stretch yourself beyond the the major subjects that you think you're supposed to get and 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 read. I mean, Tosca is a voracious reader. I've never seen anybody read as much as she does. I envy it actually. Um, but reading opens up a lot of doors uh, for people, and I think that's a major thing that people should uh, focus on more is uh, active reading. And Dr. Smith, what uh, colleges did you attend, and what degrees did you receive? I went to Hampton University undergrad, uh, and then I applied to medical school. I went to University of Texas Medical Branch at Galveston, and then did residency in uh, at Morehouse uh, uh, General Surgery uh, Department. And uh, now I practice uh, uh, occupational environmental medicine and, and uh, preventive health. Thank you so much. That was great advice. Be curious, and one of the things, be an avid reader great um, strategies for college success. Thank you so much, Tosca Davis, Davis and Dr. Cedric Smith. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone. Terry Gully, theme song, NADWorks, digital support, and of course, our featured guest. 